0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Square Ball Podcast.
2: So I hope your ears have had a little rest and we are now back into part two of this two-part podcast and we'll do this. On the line, it's been a while since we've spoken to him, uh, the Yorkshire Evening Post's chief football writer and Leeds United writer as well, Phil Hay. Evening, Phil. Good
0: evening, Dan. How are you?
2: Very well, thank you. Nice to speak to you. So tell us then your reflections on, on Dave Hockaday. Let's start with that one. I mean, you wrote in the Evening Post that you felt really was never destined to work. I mean, why, in your opinion, was that the case?
0: Well several reasons. The first and, and the biggest, in my view, was the the complete lack of, of public support that he had. It was apparent before he was appointed that, that he was not going to be a popular choice for the head coach's job. It was apparent when he got the job that, that he wasn't popular either. And I think that as you went through pre-season and into the, the early part of the uh, of the actual season you couldn't fail to sort of overlook the fact that that the general mood on the terraces was that this guy should not be in the, in the dugout and and should not be in the head coach's job. And and I think when you've got that sort of resistance to you and and that sort of opposition, quiet though it was for a few weeks you're, you're on a hiding to nothing and you're, you're in a, a job that, that you're never going to you're never gonna win um, unless the results are absolutely spectacular and, and given the way the squad was given the the, the speed at which players were coming in, the, the, the sort of late rush to get signings after they lost at Millwall on the, the first weekend of the season, he was never going to get outstanding results early on and and I have to be honest, I'm, I'm not convinced that at any stage further down the line that would really have changed. I mean I do think to some extent that the circumstances won't favorable for him I, I do think that he was in a extremely difficult position with the way the club was run with the, the owner he had above him and 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 the fact that you know players were coming in very rapidly and, and very late but at the same time from, from what I saw of the football and and you know I I've watched about ten games in total with Hockaday in charge, friendlies and and Championship and, and League Cup games. I didn't see any sort of outstanding coaching talent. I didn't see very much to suggest that they had a plan or a formula or, or a strategy that that was going to work. And you know, I'm loath to criticise him too much because I think essentially he was an offer the job that that should never have been his for the taking. And to some extent good on him for having a bash but I do think it was destined to end this way and I really think that after the defeat at Watford when when Chilino decided initially that he was going to sack the Hockey Day he should have done it there and then and there was no value in letting it run on to the the Bradford City Cup game but it's done I think it was the right decision I think it had to happen and and I hope it can can let the club move on.
2: Can you sort of blame the fans for not giving him a fair crack of the whip or do you think the responsibility lies with Chilino and how do you
0: yeah, Fun not enough. at all. No, I, 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 can't really blame them for that because I think, as as a few of the ex players have said to me, you know, the the senior bunch who who were here in the the days, that there is a, a degree of expectation about who should take the job on, and you know, it's hard to tell people that they shouldn't be sceptical about someone who who doesn't have a huge profile and and doesn't really seem to to fit the bill in terms of qualification and track record. I mean, he, he told us. Regularly, hockey Day, that he'd, he'd been in football for for forty years, and that was true. He had as a player and and as a coach, but he'd never really stuck anywhere aside from Watford. And and in terms of first team coach, and he'd he'd never had a long stint anywhere else. And you know, the the one sort of question that stuck in my head all the way through was why, for someone who thought you know, in, in his own view, was very highly qualified, was a was an extremely good coach. Why no other football league club had had ever taken a gamble on him and never seen seen fit to give him, you know, the top job and. I do think there were elements of uh, in the games and, and of his coaching that, that maybe explained why. I mean, the, I thought particularly the two periods with, with 10 men at, at Watford and Bradford City exposed perhaps a little bit of sort of tactical naivety or, or shortcomings on his part. I mean, you, statistically, you're always liable to lose games when you, you reduce numbers and a and player sent off. But I did feel that in those spells, and particularly the, the 60 minutes at Bradford, it was a case of 10 men behind the ball with very little strategy and, and very little in the way of invention or, or, or mouse in, in terms of digging a result out of that game. And just to draw a, a sort of random comparison, I always think back to the last day of the 2009. 2009- Ten season when Leeds were down to ten men against Bristol Rovers and in, in deep deep trouble. And Simon Grayson on that afternoon threw on Johnny House and he changed the the formation. He told his defence that basically they were going to have to soak up a huge amount of pressure and and were going to be left outnumbered regularly through that game. And it was a gamble, it was a risk, but it worked. And you know I didn't really see any of that in in Hockey Day. I, I just didn't get the feeling that that he had it in him to to make an outstanding team of a pretty random collection of players at Leeds. And as I say, I wouldn't wish him ill. I, I think he was in a really difficult position, but I do think it's for the best that he's gone.
2: In terms of his successor, you mentioned Simon Grayson there. He's a name that's been sort of floating around on the edges. Do you think there's anything serious in that?
0: Well, the way it was put to me last weekend, it was suggested that the interest in the job was coming from from Grayson himself or certainly from Grayson's camp. Now, he was quoted early in the week as saying that there hadn't been an approach from Leeds. I I certainly got the impression from the Leeds end that he wasn't the man they were looking for. um, And it's become very apparent over the weekend that the man they were looking for was was Oscar Garcia. I think on Saturday, there was some very strong expectation on Chilino's part that he was going to get that deal done um, and that Garcia was going to be his man. But... Of course the club got flanked on Sunday night by Beppe Sunino going from Watford and opening the door to Garcia there and it sounds like Watford jumped on that very quickly and got the deal done and you know, Garcia announced on, on Tuesday morning as Watford's coach is a, is a pretty big setback for Chilino I think because I, I reckon in his head he decided that that was a good appointment and, and somebody who would fit he's obviously spoken to Steve Clark I think initially Steve Clark was quite receptive but it doesn't look like he's going to hurry into taking this job and we're in an interesting position now just to see which way he's going to go and what he's going to do because I did get the feeling after he finally decided to sack Hockaday that the penny dropped to a certain degree in in the sense of why Hockaday hadn't been a success and where perhaps he'd gone wrong with that. Not experienced enough, not paying enough money to bring in the type of person that you need and I do think we'll see a different appointment this time round. But in saying that, He's missed out on Garcia, which I know will will be a frustration, and it's not an easy job to fill because I think the requirements are, are, are pretty specific, and it does need to be somebody who who ticks a lot of boxes in terms of what Chilino wants.
2: Is he going to be a difficult employer, Chileno, because he's not the easiest man, you get get this impression, that he's not going to be the easiest man to work for?
0: No, I mean, he, he is a difficult employer, I think, and, and extremely demanding, and um You know, I I said a few times over the weekend that they do obviously need to get this appointment right and they do need to get the right man in. But I think even if they get the right man for this to, to really change and to move forward quickly, I think there needs to be a bit of a change of attitude from Chilino. I, I do think he, he needs to step back a bit. And he, he needs to he needs to really let the process roll. He needs to, to interfere perhaps a little less. I think he needs to be a little bit more tolerant of, of poor results. I'm not saying that the, the poor results so far deserve much tolerance because I did think some of the performances were extremely poor. But I think a case of making sure that you you're not reacting to every poor result and, and every poor performance. It is going to happen from time to time, and you need to take a, a sort of wider view and a, an overview, really, of what's happening and and decide whether you're pleased with the overall project as opposed to one Saturday afternoon or, or one Tuesday night. So that would certainly help, and I think in, until that does happen, it's going to be very difficult for a, a new coach to, to bed in. But in saying that, but a more experienced coach and, and somebody who perhaps is a, more suited to the job than Hockey Day, they'll surely find it a bit easier to, to impress Chilino, to satisfy him and, and to keep him happy. But you're absolutely right. It's not an easy job. And I think that will probably be reflected in the in the people who are genuinely and seriously interested in it. I mean,
2: he seems to have learned quite quickly over the whole Hockey Day thing, as you've just been uh, touching on there. I mean, is, is he... Chilino, is he capable of stepping back and doing that and and just letting somebody be in charge?
0: Well, the evidence suggests not really. It's not his style. And I mean, he's 58 now. He's been around... Football in, in Italy for a long, long time, and I think his style of ownership is pretty well established. And to be fair, in, in, to an extent, it, it worked at Caleri. They were, you know, they were a Serie A club for most of the time that he was owner, and weren't often in in, in serious serious trouble, and certainly not financially. So, to that end, he, he obviously does know what he's doing. But I think his project runs a certain way, and everything has to be in order for it to work. And. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that this in this window they've brought in some good players. I certainly think they've brought enough in to work with. And I think if if a head coach is given the chance to do that, I think a, a bit of breathing space, a bit of time, and a bit of patience, then they can surely get together a, a competitive team out of this squad. Not necessarily a team who are going to go up or or go close to going up, but a team who shouldn't be 21st in, in the table. But yeah, I mean, he, he micromanages this too. You know, He doesn't have a chief exec. He doesn't have a managing director. If everything he does or everything that happens at the club, everything serious goes through him. And I suspect that's the way it will always be, unless he comes to realise himself that he needs a bigger board structure, that he needs other people around him, or that really for a club that size and a, a game as, as big and as, as intense as... As football, that he, he needs to delegate a little bit of responsibility. But you don't have to ask many people in, in Calgary to know that that really isn't his style and, and never has been.
2: So, which way do you think it's going to go there? I mean, I mean, one name that's um, gone quiet is McAllister, who seemed to be in the running a little while ago around the same time as Hockaday, or is there another candidate we've not yet heard of?
0: Well, McAllister was spoken about back when Hockey Day was appointed, and it is a fact that, that he and Chilino met, although I, I, I do remember Chilino saying that there was never a formal interview as such, although I, I'm really not sure whether Chilino really does formal <laughs> interviews in the conventional sense. But I don't think that got got too far off the ground. The coach he really wanted back then, and it, it, this wasn't a secret, it was Eamon Dolan, who was the academy manager at Reading, and Reading weren't particularly helpful with that. They, were, they, they didn't really want to... Um, to indulge the approaches from Leeds and, and we're asking for a lot of compensation as I guess they would do for someone who's done a good job at, at their academy. So I don't think that's feasible and I don't think you'll go looking for Dolan again. I have had the impression in the last couple of days that having thought initially that Neil Redfern might not be an option just a little bit too inexperienced perhaps a little bit too close to Hockaday and, and in, in the sense of being similar in the in the amount of prior coaching experience at the top level. I, I know for for a fact that he thinks very highly of Redfern and, and really respects the job he's doing but as of last weekend, I didn't get the feeling that that was an option. But I think now that Garcia has gone south and, and obviously they've, they've missed him, I do get the feeling that there's a, a, more and more of a temptation to see whether Neil Redfund can do the same sort of job for the first team that, that he's done with the academy. And there's no doubt at all that the academy has been massively successful. Um, and I'm open-minded about that one. I mean, he, he had difficult periods as, as caretaker previously, Redfund, But it, it stands to reason that when you become a caretaker, you, you take on a squad who are... In a bit of a mess or, or in a bit of trouble. And I sort of think that with a really experienced, sensible, well connected assistant manager, he he could potentially do very well in this job. Other options, Cennino has to be one. I mean he, he I think fits fits the bill in for Cellino in a lot of respects, obviously Continental style. There would be things about his time at Watford that I would imagine would ring alarm bells, but um I think he and Chilino are, are acquaintances. He's free, he's available. From what I can gather, he wants to stay in this country. I honestly can't say if there's been any contact there, but I'd be very surprised if Chilino hasn't at the very least considered him, given that he's he's out of work and, and could be had tomorrow, potentially.
2: Yeah, on to the transfer window then. You mentioned it's now closed, business is done. Uh, we've had, what, 15 in, maybe 18, 19 or thereabouts out. How do you think the club's got on in the window? Has it done good business?
0: Well, it's very hard to gauge the quality of the players they've signed, aside from to go on what you're told from abroad. And, and I do think that in the main, the players who've come in, if, you know speaking to journalists in Italy and other countries where they've been signed from, the the reports have been pretty favourable and the, the opinion of these players seems to be pretty good. And, you know, we'll judge ourselves over a period of 10, 15, 20 games and it'll become apparent later in the season how good this window's been. But I think the the first thing to say is that they've covered an awful lot of bases and they they have... I think, brought in most of what Cellino was, was looking to get hold of. The one in the mission I think, is a defensive midfielder. Obviously, they went for Viviani at Roma and could have had that deal. It didn't come off in the end. But I, I think deep down, Cellino is quite quietly hopeful that Lewis Cook, who was, was excellent against Bolton on, on Saturday, might be a good option in there and, and might mature and grow into the role this season and, and actually be a, a ready-made option, which obviously is what the, the academy is for. The only other position which they, they didn't really do anything to was left-back. I think Chilino decided a while back that it was going to be very difficult to find a good left-back that he could afford and could persuade the club to, to let go. And Stephen Warnock's form has been pretty good this season, so I don't think he saw that as a as a huge problem. But in terms of the numbers, I've never seen a window like this at Leeds. I mean, it's been extremely busy. And if there's one thing that you you can't knock Chilino for, it's it's the promise of new players coming in. Because we've had 15. I honestly don't think he'd have stopped at 15 if he didn't have to. They did look at Leonardo Pavoletti, a striker at Sassuolo, on Monday, didn't quite come off towards the end of the deadline day. They obviously looked at Viviani, there were other players as well who they, they dabbled with and didn't quite get over the line. So I almost felt like there was no limit to what he would do. There was certainly a financial limit, I mean he wasn't going to spend ridiculously, but in terms of numbers he seemed to recruit very, very heavily and be be willing to do so. So I, I certainly don't think that, that they should come in for any criticism on that front.
2: And what do you think about the net spend then? You, you say that there's been a limit to what he would spend. What do you think it's sort of netted out? Because obviously they've brought in a fair amount of money for McCormack, Smith and Polion. It's coming out north of, what, £12 million say? I would say so, yeah. Um, and, and what's the net spend been, do you think, overall? Ballpark figure, if I can uh, get you off the fence... <laughs>
0: I was trying to work this out the other day and given that there are uh, an awful lot of loanees have come in, most of whom will be signed next summer, there's obviously a difference between the money they're virtually committed to paying and the money they've actually paid. I think now that Dukara is permanent, Belushi is permanent. I think we'll be talking in excess of £4 million, although it's very difficult to, to say because some of the uh, the undisclosed fees and the, the estimates from Italy for people like Silvestri um, and Ducar have, have been very difficult to nail down. But Belushi was, was quoted at, at one, around about £1.6 million. He had another 600000 for Casper Sloth. You know, Liam Cooper, again, 600000 So there certainly has been money spent. Nowhere near what, what's come in, although that is only due to the fact that, that McCormack was an absolutely huge fee. Um, and I do think if McCormack had gone for something perhaps closer to his true value, you know, five, six, seven million, that they would probably have, have spent much of uh, of what came in from that and the um, and the fees for Smith and, and Dominic Polion. They they are committed to an awful lot more, assuming that they want to make these loans permanent. Adrian next summer would be about three million pounds. Again, people like Benedicic players of that elk are, are going to cost sizable fees, probably seven-figure sums if, if they want to go ahead with permanent deals. So I don't think, again, there's been a lack of expenditure. The, the key, I think, in this window is going to be, and, and going forward in terms of judging the, the actual investment is going to be if the McCormack money is used to buy back Ellen Road in November, as Chilino says it will be, and, and that's going to be the next real point of interest I feel, then you'd have to say that they've thrown as much money at the window this time round as, as any owner for, for years and years. Obviously, if that doesn't happen in the- the McCormack fee is banked. Then, then you will be talking about it. You know, in, in terms of net spend, you'll be talking about money coming in as opposed to money going out. But um, if Ellen Road is bought back, then then the McCormack fee will definitely disappear. So, I do think again. You know, to be fair to the club, I, I do think that they've attacked this with money and they've they've attacked it with a bit of purpose as well.
2: And do you think that's there's the context of financial fair play, of course, as well. We must have been running at quite a loss going into the summer, and then they've got this big fee for McCormack, which you would presume was probably booked for last season to offset all the losses that are. Uh, That were underwritten do you think that's probably come into the thinking a bit
0: well it's a good question that although obviously the McCormack fee came in 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 July so I have a feeling that that might not drop into the, the accounts for last season I'm not entirely sure about that but it would certainly help. The only problem is that the losses under Gfh were absolutely massive. So that's a that's a really really interesting point. And this is an interesting season for FFP because obviously it's the first time that the penalties are, are going to come in. And you know if, if Leeds have got an issue on that front, I think it, you know a number of other clubs are, are going to do as well. So yeah, I mean it, it would be interesting to know actually if the the McCormack fee will will help that. I would have thought in terms of the the reporting year and um, the financial year of thirteen and fourteen that the McCormack money would have come too late coming in, in July. But yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, it's something that they're going to have to be wary of because if the football league are, are going to apply the rules strictly and, and are going to apply the punishment strictly, then then as of January, we're going to start finding clubs with with transfer embargoes, anybody who breaches their limits for debt and losses and investment by directors is going to be hit with that in a few months' time. So so in that respect, you know, they they've obviously loaded up the squad. They've got plenty of players here. So um you know, you would you'd like to think that they're covered in that regard.
2: Well it is a very big squad, and presumably there's still some big contracts in there, you think of like Morrison and Hunt will both be Yeah, very uh, much so. Fairly reasonably sized contracts. Do we expect any more movement outwards still, even though the window's closed?
0: I would think so. I mean there was some expectation that, that at some point before the end of the month they might come to a settlement with with people like David Norris. I think there will be players who are available for loan but the problem is going to be the wages that they're on. You would assume that that guys like Noel Hunt, Steve Morrison are going to be targeted predominantly by by League One clubs, perhaps bottom end championship clubs but there's absolutely no way that the majority of clubs who look at them would be able to match their wages. They'd be looking to pay a portion. And I know that Chelino is quite strict on on looking for clubs who take players on loan to to pay the bulk, if not all of of the salaries, and and that is clearly not going to happen for players like that. But yeah, I I think when when the window opens, there will be people available. I I, I still wonder as well, you know, given that they were after Pavoletti on on deadline day, that, that it's not inconceivable that they might actually go after a few themselves. But he's not a fan of of short term loans, Chelino. Um, I don't know if that will change in England. I don't know if he'll he'll be a bit more pragmatic and feel that he's he's got to do it, and he did obviously help to fund the signings of Butland and um, and Connor Wickham last season. But um, he's he's not a huge fan. I, I don't know if that's a route he'll go down. And I've got to be honest, looking at the squad as it is, with the exception of a couple of positions, I'm not really sure it's a the route they need to go down.
2: Finally, then Crystal Ball time. Uh, what does the club need to do now, and how do you see it going across the next few months?
0: Well, the first thing is a head coach, and I think. It would be a real, unless they are going to pump for Redfern, I think it would be a huge mistake to let these two weeks go by without making an appointment, just because it's such a prime opportunity for somebody to come in and do a bit of work with the players without the pressure of, of having to manage Saturday, Tuesday games, which let's face it, last month was just an endless run of, of matches, and really from, from the start of July onwards. Um, so it, it would be unfortunate if that didn't happen. If they are going to go for Redfern, and, and as I say I, I still think that, that is a, a possibility, then then he's coaching the players this week, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll be there, he'll be in charge until uh, a decision is made. Um, so that that's the first protocol. And, and beyond that, I think w- with the players in, it's high time really that we started getting towards a, a settled line-up and a, a settled system. Because I have to say, I, I never got the feeling at any stage under Hockaday that, that he really knew what his best team was or, or how it should shape up. And I know that people said, well, he had players coming in late. And you know, I, I would use that as a, a way to defend him to an extent as well but at the same time whenever he was asked about the transfer process at Leeds he he always said that it worked like this basically he identified the positions where the the team and the squad were weak. Chilino and Nicolas Salerno went out and got the players and if that was strictly accurate and if that was true then Hockaday in his head must have had an idea for the the formation he was looking at, the system he wanted to play and the gaps that needed to be filled and as I say I I just never got the feeling that there was a a bigger picture there or a, a set idea of of how they should play and and how it should all work. And, you know, that that is the task now for for the next head coach coming in to establish a clear pattern and a a clear philosophy. And to get the club moving, because it was a good win over Bolton, it was a a necessary win over Bolton, but you don't really feel like the season is ticking over yet and and the sooner the better. Coming up.
2: On the way then, in the next few weeks, we have Birmingham away is the next uh, fixture we have the other side of the international break, on Saturday the 13th of September. How
1: does Lee Clark still have a job? I don't know what the current uh, situation is with the uh, the family ownership down there, but maybe there's nobody left to sack him. Maybe everybody that could sack him is in jail. I'm sure innocent of all charges. Although a football club director being in jail, while well, innocent. Whoever heard of such a thing?
2: We beat these last time, didn't we? Um, it, in April.
1: It was... Because they're, they're rubbish. A rare moment of sunshine... Yeah. In a, a bleak close to the season Danny Pugh scored So did that, Smith That was the only shadow on the day <laughs> Smith, Pew, and an own goal I mean, that's all our goals from that game Gone then That's sort of all our goal. No, no, we're still with the own goal kings this year That's true Own goal is our top scorer, I think <laughs> At this point
2: Yeah, you you lot saying that you thought Matt Smith would be our top scorer Not looking too... Mind you, it might do But your, your bet's not looking too good Well, we
1: didn't just you... Doing the usual thing of, oh, some imaginary player, I'll wait and decide. Yeah, and when we did see, sign him. We signed, see, we signed Billy Sharp. When I decide who's actually going to score loads of goals, then I'll say. Uh, anyway, forget me. What about who scored? Uh, who scored.com? Well, the, the good news is that even though Clark has, is still there, Nikola Zigic is gone. His contract ran down. So presumably they're now rolling in money that they weren't paying him. His agent over the summer was suggesting that Arsenal were interested in him. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Who scored? Who scored.com? Now we have some game data. We can say that Birmingham City are strong on counter attacks, uh, weak at defending down the wings, which is um, a shame because we don't have any wingers, weak at defending against skillful players. Um, so let's hope Adrian makes his debut and is actually skillful. Um, and they're weak at aerial duels. So Matt Smith or Matt will batter them. Mm. At the, well, okay. Um, they play with width, which is worrying, because we don't. They play with long balls and crosses. However, Whoscored.com, I should point out, also is claiming that Leeds play with width. So I'm not sure if some data what? from last season is kind of getting in the machine. you
3: undermined the entire <laughs> section by claiming we play with width.
1: I, I'm i inclined to believe what Whoscored.com is saying. I know I've been to all the games and see with my don't own eyes. Don't trust your own, your own <laughs> opinions. Well, I mean, where did Norris cross from for Smith to score against Bradford? He was within about 20 yards of the touchline. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think, because Birmingham were weak at defending down the wings, I think we're going to get round the back, down the sides, crossing for... Uh, channels. What about channels? Too, They're too far inside. We're, we're going to wider than channels. Just outside the channels. We'll be outside the channels, but basically dancing along the touchline. It- relying on Wootton and Warnock to... Twinkle toe up and down the touchlines.
3: Anywhere near the corridor
1: of uncertainty? Well, that's where we'll be crossing it for Smith to win the aerial <laughs> jewels that they're so weak, weak Is with. Is Warnock all right, by the way? Because he went off injured. I
3: know he, went, he did his usual having a lie down bit, but then he actually had the,
1: the decency to go <laughs> off injured. No, he did an interview after the game in which he said he's fitter than he has been for years. <laughs> given that he's had to have his usual lie down in every single game. <laughs> Was it just that chile nobbled him due to his uh, goal celebration? Oh, of course we We missed that. that, um, To
2: anybody who's not aware, tell us about the goal celebration.
1: He made a substitute me gesture above his head with his hands. Then he made a I'm on the telephone gesture with his right hand. Then he made the substitute gesture again and was pointing at the bench, um, which a more simple summation of the gesture would have been he raised his middle finger and pointed it at Massimo (laughs) Cellino.
2: And this is because um, he was referring to the fact that apparently he'd slipped in the Watford game, hadn't he? Uh, at which point a Watford player went round the outside of him and Chileno promptly phoned the bench and told Hockaday to take him off. In the th-
1: who, who didn't? In the 13th minute, yeah. Oh. Apparently Dave and Junior decided to live with the consequences. Um, um,
2: which has very much come to pass. <laughs>
1: Warnock's still there, though. He's all right. <laughs> maybe, he'll, uh, maybe he could... <laughs> Warnock could probably... Double Hockaday's payoff with like half of his weekly wages. <laughs> and the goal bonus. And the gold bonus. the gold bonus. There you go. There you go, Dave. Thanks for leaving.
3: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at
0: UH1.com. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: I'm in that 4-1 defeat. Have a, have a bit of that. I won't miss it. it <laughs> will send him a... Send him a fresh <laughs> turkey at Christmas. How's little Timmy doing, Dave? Oh, well, he's not so good this year, thank you, Mr Warnock. Are you worried about Bournemouth? They're quite good. I'm sick of Bournemouth. Is, you... that any... Is that anything to do with Eddie Howe? Oh, it's a lot to do with Eddie Howe, but also, I was looking at their transfer business. Admittedly, they made three million selling Lewis Graben to Norwich. But they spent it all signing Callum Wilson from Coventry, who I've never heard of. By three million. Age. I assume because they spent three million pounds signing him. He's got to be good. So
2: just a second, right? Yes. I've never heard of this footballer.
1: Have you heard of Bournemouth? Yeah, 1990. Mm. Yeah. And did you think in Bournemouth 1990s, we relegated them and then we went up to the first division, that in 2014, our most expensive signing for a decade would be an Italian defender we hadn't heard of for 1.6 million, and theirs would be three million pounds. Would be they spent twice as much on somebody.
2: I've never heard of Callum Wilson. And then
1: I've heard of Andrew Cernim. He's been on um, Match of the Day, blocking Jonathan Houston's route to the first team. Half a mil they paid to get him from Norwich. I've heard of Junior Stanislas as well. They got him from Burnley for nothing. I've heard of Dan Goslin from Newcastle. Got him for nothing. Have you heard of Max Gradle? yes they were sniffing ivorian chap they were sniffing around maximum gradle Mm. who the fuck does eddie howe think he is Mm. that's my current question it's gone beyond just our nice guy with a nice wine collection it's gone to the point of who the fuck does he think he is bournemouth are 11th in the championship it's too high they should be in the fourth division it's all right it's all right for them to come up for a bit but they can't stay around and start going for promotion and spending millions of pounds on players and beating us 4-1. And then they're probably going to beat us again on Tuesday the 16th because even as we develop in this wonderful chileno world with whoever our new manager is going to be, there will be hiccups along the way. Bournemouth will be one of the hiccups. Antonucci will have a nightmare. Adrian will have to be substituted after the 20th minute because despite scoring a hat-trick of headed crosses against Birmingham, he won't be able to cope. Oh, oh. We're going to the seaside. Yay, I'm from Brazil. It's not the same. He'll be substituted distraught. Beluski will be sent off. John Beluski <laughs> will... Um, and then Kasper Sloth will just crumple under the abuse. This is the game in which Lewis Cook is going to break his leg.
2: Ah, that one. That one. You predicted a career-ending predict- injury, yes. This the
1: career-ending injury will come against <laughs> Bournemouth. And it will be uh, worse than last year because he won't have Ross McCormack... To score a consolation goal And then run towards the travelling supporters To thank them for coming Because he hates Leeds
2: mm. I think we'll win this lads What do you
3: reckon? I think it might not be quite as bad as Moscow said I think he's got, <laughs> things, I think he's got things out of proportion All in
1: all I read well, What I have to say Bournemouth It's all lies Are very strong at attacking down the wings Bournemouth's
3: manager It says Is an East End thug <laughs> He says he's a Cockney-wide
1: boy. <laughs> they attempt through balls and play short-passing possession football. It's the perfect storm.
2: So do we. Whoscored.com is full of lies. That's kind of bugging up the sponsorship from uh, that them ever arriving, isn't it? We, Fuck them. We don't want their dollar. Fuck it's you. It's not true. They Wouldn't... just put nonsense on it. They look at the league table, they go,
3: oh, they're at the bottom. We'll say they're bad at defending from most things. We'll say they're good at... Um, I noticed they've got that like, quick lad up front. We'll say they're good at counter-attacking. It's made up.
1: But it's when, based on nothing. But when they talk about the attacking stuff, they put a little icon of a sword next to it. That makes it legitimate it's in th- my eyes. Threatening as well. Threatening. Down the wings. So like uh, Bournemouth are going to do very strong in bold green letters. Big knives. Big knives.
2: This is we're strong out in wide positions.
3: We're not, not as strong
1: <laughs> as them.
2: <laughs> Wingers are dead. Listen, um, let's wrap this bit up. But surprise um, all the knives. Are we going to? Uh, are we going to win against
1: either of these two? Birmingham will win. Bournemouth disaster. Ah.
3: Oh, yeah, we'll win one of them. Probably Odin. Birmingham.
2: Yeah, Birmingham win. Draw at Bournemouth. I confidently predict another six points on top of all the points I predicted in the early season. <clears throat> Smash up Bournemouth. Tuesday night, who'd
3: have thought that had come out of the old fixture computer?
0: The Ken Bates, villain of the fortnight.
2: This is the fortnightly award that goes to somebody who has contributed to our ongoing state of perpetual misery as Legion United fans. Gents, we have to give Ken a nomination for something... What's it going to be this time? He has a radio station, so he's providing us with source material.
1: Yeah, it was becoming almost difficult when he was so quiet and just staying in his coffin, and nobody was responding to the knocks. (laughs) Somebody has let him out, and now once a week he's coming on... uh... They hook him up to a transmitter. (laughs) This week, Delft's England call-up. Um, saying he had no choice but to let him go because uh, his agent told him he wanted to leave. But he's very pleased to see him get the... Nothing
2: to do with the massively
1: overrunning costs of the East Stand, no. Hocker should have been given more time. We missed one the other week. He says in this week that Celine Patel was more concerned about his personal profile than running the club, which may be true, but coming from Ken. Yeah, we missed the other week where he described GFH as the Bahraini Isis, which I felt was a little bit strong... <laughs> Possibly a slight overreaction there from Kenneth. But he knows who to blame. All right, go on then. Um, Gary Cooper, as, as, of course, as per yeah. usual. Oh, it was
2: Gary who sold Fabian Delph, wasn't it, for the, <laughs> for
1: the massively overrearing cost of the stand? This week, Ken has called out the statement that GFH released the day they bought the club, which I think is probably the same day that he was saying they were going to be great, as, what a load of, dare I say it, bull. I don't know why he had to dare to say bull. He not dare me. I'm going to say bull. Um, <laughs> and then he says that they, they certainly took in Gary Cooper, who led the campaign, to attempt to force me to sell to them. I don't actually remember anybody attempting no. a campaign.
2: That, that, I will just go on record now and saying is an outright lie, because at the time when GFH was sniffing around completing... Uh, the Supporters' Trust openly questioned the sale to GFH. It's not
1: quite tallying up with real evidence. The Supporters' Trust also apparently chased off other good would-be investors, which forced Ken to sell to the bad investors. Oh, right. The thing is, the
3: Supporters' Um, Trust were only really strong for about a year of Ken's tenure. So he had seven years where I suppose he was was fluffing up the good investors. mm -hmm. They were ready.
1: Yeah. Had them all pumped and primed. Oh, they were all they were all just ready to strike with those good investors. Anyway, naturally he can't leave it at just Gary Cooper and uh, Fabian Delft, but he has to have his say on the state of Britain in general. I haven't listened to all this. I just hang like on a second. This it. is this is
2: this is tax exile Kenneth Bates who doesn't live here, doesn't pay UK tax.
1: He does say at one point actually he starts rambling about whether people should have passports for staying in their com- in a certain country. And he says that in the United Arab Republic which we uh, googled earlier and apparently is what Egypt was called until 1971. Mesopotamia he means... <laughs> when I go on my <laughs> holidays to Persia. Um, you, can't, you can't become a citizen in the UAE. I don't know if it's true or not. He says that you can't actually become a citizen of Monaco. You um, can't
3: become a citizen of um, fictional countries. What you, you, can't you
1: can stay if you behave yourself. And he says that's... But um, people in Rotherham, for example... So I'm sure what the debate about the terrible things that have been going on in Rotherham um, has needed is Ken Bates' contribution However, on the brighter side, he has given us he has given us something wonderful, which is uh, his shock that um, one of the perpetrators of some of these crimes is walking the streets of Rotherham apparently after being released from jail. Oh goodness! And Ken has this to say:
0: I I think he's very lucky not to be
1: sorted out by Philly. <laughs> 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 Village aunties. If anybody does want to set this as their <laughs> mobile phone ringtone, it's the Ken Bates Weekly Delft England call up. You can probably just record it. Eight go to eighteen minutes and ten seconds and just I co- I think he's very lucky not to be sorted out by village aunties.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if if your if your auntie lives in a village, get a get around to Rotherham and have a sorting out these bad lads. <laughs> that sending sending this great country to the dogs What's best about this as well Is knowing that
2: somebody at Radio Yorkshire Has heard that and thought I can't not put it out it's ca- I can't tell him But I can't not put it out It's just got to go as it is Oh dear Village Antis v- Village Antis Brilliant Well that's quite a comprehensive n- nomination For the villain of the fortnight for Kenneth Who else would we like to nominate? The Twitter
3: man Whoever, whoever it was who, who kept us up all night Not in a good way yeah, transfer deadline day. <laughs> if, you, if you watch a bit longer, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> That's
1: what he should have said. What he should have done is just at uh, 11 o'clock say, that concludes our business. We were hoping to get another player in, but the deal fell through. That would have been all right. Or what he could also have done is not try to play the Sky hyping everything up game and behave like an official Twitter account and just announce the signings when they happen. Because he did it with every single one. They were like, Big news coming up in a few minutes. That's what Sky do. You're the official account. You don't need to play that game. And that big news was Dukara, who had already signed, was signing a permanent contract. So was like, is that it? And then Brian Montenegro, oh, that was it. We're going to enter the action. That was to sign Brian Montenegro, who we'd all known was coming from a week before. And then the last one, don't go to bed yet. More business to be done. As much fun as being hit by a purple dildo. <laughs> That's it. It's just...
3: Transfer deadline just day, isn't bail it? bail Dan out of that. It was a... Man on Sky Sports News, did it? Dan doesn't it reflect on Dan's home life getting hit with purple dildos. It does.
1: Keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. <laughs> Don't knock it to the dry. So, yeah, it, and then, obviously...
0: Well,
3: also, there was, there was a Twitter frenzy about the rumours that there was an ex-player coming back about Gradle. Gradle. I was mm. even getting
1: text. Is Gradle really coming? No. no. <laughs> Mark
3: Hazelwood, Jason Pierce, in an un- unrelated tweet, but everyone starts thinking everything means so much when when tensions high. He said something vaguely positive,
2: and everyone went, "Oh, he said decent." Hang on a minute, he said decent. This is decent,
3: and, and then
1: a couple of uh, it was emojis. Real,
2: but the thing that did it was that it was retweeted by the official account. Yeah, it wasn't Jason's fault himself. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. those fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize that. Yes, that's what that's what fueled it really. They were. They, that's how they hyped it up, by retweeting the captain. Yes, indeed. Um, we, we know who it is that runs the media at Leeds United now, but let's not start a witch hunt, because we don't know for sure that it was him. or it probably was.
1: Uh, so <laughs> also, we, won't, we won't name him. We might We might want to access a Leeds United player one of these days. You never know. So we'll save him the blushes. Yeah. Um, but Sack we, whoever it was that did that to you, Matt. I mean... Uh... <laughs>
2: I'll, I'll fight off
1: the siren, just in case.
2: There we go. Any other nominations for this award? Neil I'm... Warnock oh, you had to bring him into it didn't you mind your language Go on, he's what's... back yeah. that one last challenge he's in the Premier and League with smarmy face and his know it all it's got a great bunch of lads down there he actually said that. Jason
1: Punch in one <laughs> yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah. Scored the didn't he score the equalizer in his first game? Yeah. yeah. You couldn't write it. I mean, me and Jase we've had. Goal our, bonus,
2: uh, goal bonus for that, probably.
1: Me and Jase we've had our differences that uh, obviously our respective legal teams are still sorting out. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't, you can't sue a lad like that when he's scoring goals for you like like that. Well, uh, no, my lawyers say apparently I can continue with the action, but uh, oh I've been in there, I've, I've seen his big smile on his face in his dressing room, and I've told him that if uh, he won't. Don't be smiling like that when I finished with him in court.
3: He didn't <laughs> actually sue him, did he? I, no, don't I don't know. I think
1: they settled <laughs> amicably. As soon as he saw the, the Warnocker saw thundering down the way towards by the him. Football league though. Warnock should have been.
3: You think? You think Warnock could want to clear his name? And yeah. take it and take it to court and get everything out in the open. Well, yeah, you definitely. see, you can. You,
1: there's there's things you can say on a football pitch that you just can't say in a court of law. And all you have to do is you just have to look at little JC Yeah, uh, look at little JC's face when he scored that goal, and you you can you can see that that says that says more than any courtroom apology <laughs> to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> any other any other thoughts on nominations? We've got a stick hockey day, haven't we? Really? Really?
1: Yeah.
3: Of course we have. Our worst ever manager.
1: Yeah. By far, John Carver. Um, he wasn't. He was never a proper manager, though. He was a caretaker. No. Certainly, the worst. He was a manager. With <laughs> well, yeah. he's a
2: caretaker now. Caretaker coach.
1: Yeah,
3: I, it's, you'd struggle to think of a worse appointment ever. And it seemed bad on paper, and then it was bad
1: on the pitch
2: and in the press conferences. Yeah, not his fault though, was it? it was Chilino's fault.
1: No, it was his fault. Do I mean, you, it was, it, well, hmm. if he if he hadn't been such an unlikable twat from minute one to the day to the minute he walked out the door. I might have a shred of sympathy. I might say, Massimo Cellino put you in an impossible position. You made the best of it and you came out with your head held high. However, Massimo Cellino put him in an impossible position. You refused to see it. You acted as if you were God's gift to football management, even though everybody knew that you were just a patsy. And... Even on the day when you were almost fired, you were still droning on about the Champions League. And then the day you actually were fired, you were still saying that tactically, with 40 years' experience, you got it right. Anyone
3: and who constantly goes on about how much experience they've got as as a reason for doing things is generally a dick. People yeah. are like, I've been in this, look, I've been in this game, so and so. I mean, you might think you've got it right,
1: but believe me. It's positive uh, thinking. It's... It's just it's a it's a sham, and it's a lesson for anybody who tries to work with Massimo Cellino again. You cannot work for Massimo Cellino and act as if you're in control because you're not. Whoever does come in, and we're gradually running out of nominees, has just got to come in and accept. I'm not in control of what <laughs> happens here. It's not up to me. Stuff's going on that I can't influence. Would you rather just came out when? I've no idea how I got this job. I really don't know what the fucking hell I'm doing. I'd rather they didn't just try and cover up how he got the job, because that's still shrouded in mystery. like, yeah, we don't need to... Well, he claimed he didn't even know who he was meeting. I just got... I, I came to meet an Italian voice on the phone. I didn't know it was Leeds United.
3: I rang up for a prostitute, and then all of a sudden this man turned up. <laughs> Offering the choice of two.
1: <laughs> there was just no... He talked about humility, and there was none. That's and, Day. And, and he also, talked about tactics And there weren't any of them either I
3: was going to say What everyone could see Who was watching He couldn't as well Was that the shape was all wrong There was It just wasn't working And he resolutely Refused to change it
1: and, We've had quite a few Of those managers To be fair Not quite on this no, level No I'm, quite,
3: I'm, not, I'm not saying um, managers, some, I think some have got Stuck in a rut After a <coughs> certain period of time But he started In this way
2: Started in a (laughs) rock.
1: Watford 4-1 I'm getting more out of the players than anyone else could Bolton 1-0 Ah, what an idiot Hey listen, here's a Controv one Now we all know that uh,
2: Massimo Cellino is utterly infallible Never does anything wrong Even though he said he got Hockaday wrong Yeah,
1: Um, it was a mistake
2: However, he is infallible uh, In the eyes of some internet madmen Um, So Are you working for Mike Farnan? Yes, that's me (laughs) <laughs> I'm on the payroll.
1: You could do with being on this payroll, I know. really.
2: Johnny Giles didn't have kind words to say about Massimo. Chilino. Do we do we want to nominate John Giles for his words about Massimo Cellino?
1: I don't. No, I, I like, love him.
2: I like. I like and Charlie. I like what
1: he said. What did he I, say?
2: For anybody who's not heard
1: it, I'd not really heard the term headbanger used in this context. But yes, Johnny Giles asked a simple question of who would be a good replacement for Hockaday, and he said, "I don't think anybody would be a good choice." Dispa- Accent, please. <laughs> Where's he from? He's Irish. I can only... Bearing in mind, we've got a lot of Irish listeners. This is it, I don't... Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. We'll we'll supply any races. Fortunately... (laughs) Cigar? (laughs) Fortunately, Johnny Giles spent a long time in Leeds, and has a a very Yorkshire accent. Um, I don't think anybody would be a good choice as manager, he says. This fella, meaning Chilino, is a headbanger. I like that. I'm not nominating for anything. I think he only employed that coach so he was a front man so he could pick the team and bring the players in that he wanted. I think Hockaday had no say in it whatsoever and anybody that goes to Leeds would be mad to take the job. I'd say that any of the managers who are worth their salt wouldn't touch that job. What the fella should do is make himself manager and do the job because that's what he's trying to do anyway. I feel sorry for the Leeds supporters to let a headbanger in. I don't think he wants anybody that's any good whatsoever. I was 12 years at Leeds. They've got great supporters. It's a great club, but the club the way it's been run in the past few years has been an absolute disgrace. Go on, John Giles. Just on
2: that note, it's worth saying that head as, we, banger. as we've been Who let the head banger in? Whoop, whoop. As, as we've been as we've been recording <laughs> on Wednesday the 3rd of September, since we spoke to Phil Hay and uh, and all the rest of the stuff we've been blathering on about. All out of date. Yeah, all out of date because
1: Steve Clark has distanced himself. From f- the headbanger. Yeah, from the from the job. So maybe... One from a- the headbanger. He, he wants the Leeds job. He doesn't want the headbanger job.
2: So to wrap it up then, we're not nominating John Giles now. No. Right, so we've got Kenneth Bates. Obviously he can't win. We've got The Bloke, What Runs the Twitter account. And Neil Warnock and Dave Hockaday. Some choice people in there
3: I'd like to explicitly state that Junior Lewis is not involved Why not? He's he's separate from Hockaday he He's an, he's an like innocent a, victim in he all this seemed like <laughs> a, He seemed like a good man did Junior How could you tell? <laughs> that look on his face That, that steely look good, of
1: confusion That wasn't a good look that was like a, <laughs> He was just along for the ride It's like he was wearing a permanent LAPD he didn't like, mugshot He didn't like Dave either
3: He just didn't have the guts to say it
1: Who's having the award? It's between Hockaday and Warnock for me and bear in mind, I deeply despise Warnock in a way that I will never hate Hockaday. It makes it difficult.
2: Oddie. Warnock, Michael, Hockaday. That's one for Warnock. Two
1: for Hockaday. I want. I mean, uh, Hockaday's such a loser. He can't win this. Warnock for old times. <laughs> the State. only thing he ever <laughs> won in his life. Hockaday, yeah, Hockaday
3: might come and collect it.
1: He beat, he beat that Italian team sixteen nil. That he's never going to get. a better moment of glory than this. Warnock just for old time's sake, although we'll probably, if he carries on, I bet half the reason he's took that job is like oh, Crystal Palace, I'm not sure about Crystal Palace you know, I wanted one more project. They're on Match of the Day every week, you get interviewed on the BBC One. I'll take it. That's better than TalkSport. So, yeah, Warnock.
2: So you've said Warnock, you've said Warnock you're having Hockaday. I'm gonna give I want want my votes going to Hockaday. Oh, just to fuck everything up? No, it's too old. What do we do now? Do we go to the public vote? What would Dave no, do? we are
1: going to ask? Do you ask the cleaner?
2: Oh, fuck it. it. You decide. You listening, you decide whether it's Warnock or Hockaday. It's up to you. We don't care. And congratulations to whoever's won it.
0: Any other business?
2: We are doing something utterly ludicrous, aren't we, in the name of charity? Because that's the kind of philanthropic people we are. That's why we're here to ask you to give us money. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we are walking... Um,
3: about 30 miles We've, we've decided From yeah. where to where tell me, the, from, tell me the route From Ellen Road To Rotherham Not on any day You'll be glad to know There is at least A, a League United game At the end of it
1: It's not always A very enticing offer No Get to see Luciano Becchio It's play.
3: sometimes tough To get out of bed For a 3 o'clock kick-off At Ellen Road But what we're asking you to do Is to turn up at Ellen Road at sort of Half 7 And then we'll set off Walking the 30 miles To Rotherham And get there in time For the game Which we will no doubt win Has anyone got, got, got any doubts? What about the walk Or the win? <laughs> Either, either. Um, but we're raising money for Leeds Children's Hospital and the Louis Jacob Sharp Foundation, so good causes and all that. So you can either email
2: at net to find out how to take part, or there's a blog post on the website. Yeah, we've got a Just Giving page set up, haven't we, that you can link into if you want to raise money and it'll all go into the same pot for the charities, which is good.
3: We have. And if you, if you enjoy... The podcast's free, so, you know, pay for it in another
1: way. <laughs> it might be better framing it as a walk um, in tribute of to Luciano.
3: You claimed you'd walk 500 miles and 500 more for him at, at one yeah, stage. Yeah, I didn't
1: know Rotherham would be at the end of it though, <laughs> and he'd be wearing a red shirt. That was what compounded that um, Twitter failure at the end of the deadline winner, because 11 o'clock, Leeds declared that selling our two players was the reason you would all stayed up. 11.01, Rotherham put up that image with Luciano Becchio photoshopped into a Rotherham shirt with, welcome to the club Luciano, the hateful Hateful swine! I, I did enjoy the idea that he thought he'd sign for New York because to play at the New York Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Steve Evans. Imagine just—it shouldn't be allowed to touch him. My last vision of Steve Evans is when they won at Wembley and he ran across the pitch with that um, David Pleat style, but instead of being like wearing a suit and looking quite smart, his enormous five bellies were just wobbling around underneath a horrible business shirt. And now he's got Luciano Becchio in his grip.
2: I fear we've got sidetracked from the issue of charity here, gentlemen. But, uh, <laughs> Steve Evans might want to do the walk to burn
1: off some of that enormous gut. Luce Saint Luciano Becchio is charity personified. He, and he will be sainted one day. Get in touch with us. If you fancy doing the
2: walk or contributing to it, we'd love to have you do that. Podcast at thesquareball.net. I'll
1: get involved if we bring Luciano back. If it's like a, a, a mission to spring him. <laughs> Get him out of that horrible New York prison. He's on. He's ba- essentially, they should rename it while he's there, Alcatraz. Luciano Becchio, the Birdman of Rotherham. Get him out of there. That's the only good reason anybody has to go to Rotherham. Save Luciano and raise somebody for um, children.
2: Right, so we are working on issue two of our fanzine, the, no doubt be an extensive Dave Hockaday tribute edition, charting all the highs, the lows, the lows and the... Other the lows. Lower lows. It
3: was a bit awkward at the, um, I mean, thankfully I got out of it, but at the Bolton game, selling a magazine still containing articles about this being Dave Hockaday's big chance when it had already passed.
2: <laughs> hey, we are comfortably out of date and that's the way we like things. Dave Hockaday might get a copy so we can pretend. They're still talking about me. This is a big chance. <laughs> Interviewing himself in the mirror. So yeah. Dave. When they're still
1: talking about you, you know that tactically... You've got it right.
2: Hey, it is worth saying he's been uh, he's been touted for the uh, Carlisle job, hasn't he? I knew this would happen, though. It, yeah. it happens, you get a shit manager,
3: gets a decent job, and then they get a shit job afterwards, and then they disappear. I mean, Blackwell got about four jobs off the back of being Leeds United manager. So, Hockey Day's probably got at least another,
2: another step until he's back in non-league. He's going to go on to a fine career. Carlisle, Champions League. He'd better hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're working on issue two. That will be out against... Huddersfield. Huddersfield. Ah, we're playing them again, are we? Yeah. Lovely. Excellent. Uh, That'll be out against Huddersfield, so look out for that one and uh, get subscribing as well. You can get subscriptions online at thesquareball.net. If we do want
1: to be um, up to date, Huddersfield's club captain is, as we speak, getting involved in a bit of Twitter banter with Leeds fans.
2: Is that the famous Lee Peltier? Uh,
1: The famous Lee Peltier saying uh, that Mark Hudson is another great addition to their club. Proven championship centre-half, plenty of experience, great work by all the staff at HGFC to get him. And uh, Simon Austin points out to him that it's worth noting Leeds were offered Hudson in the summer, but uh, Chilino passed. To which Lee Peltier says, yeah, I'm sure you was. Wonder why he didn't join. And then a little picture of a... It's a monkey with its um, covering its eyes, that particular emoji.
2: That's the see no evil uh, emoji.
1: Okay, so yeah, he's like, wonder why he didn't join Leeds, ha ha then really? somebody's saying to him that Leeds have signed loads of players so we don't care and he says how many you got 15 how many do you know thought so kind of missed the boat on the villain of the fortnight thing here didn't we uh, and then somebody's called him acorn head seems fair he was always good with the public relations it was all pelts. he used to love it when uh, I got an email through didn't curse his name at all even though he was our own club captain
2: so yeah we'll no uh, doubt have a Lee Peltier tribute then or something in this year to the square ball uh, look out for that on the streets against Huddersfield and online at the squareball.net. We'll sign off for now. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll, uh, we'll speak to you soon. Bye from me and Michael. Bye. And Moscow. Goodbye. And Oddie. Bye. Sarah.
0: The Squareball Podcast.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?